But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it 20 fathoms and when they had gone a little farther they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day Acts 27 verses 20 through 29 and the subject uh, will be for this little series of thoughts, it's almost midnight. Look at somebody and say, it's almost midnight. You can sit down, please. Aren't you glad you made it to the last Sunday in 2014? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to get to my subject. I'm going to get to my subject. I'm going to get to my subject, brother musician. I'm going to get to my subject. Yeah. Be looking at me like that. I'll get to it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. At the beginning of the year, the devil told some of y'all you wasn't going to make it. Turn around, look at somebody and say, we caught him in another lie. <laughs> Hallelujah caught the devil in another lie. I'm still here. I'm still here. I haven't been the best, but I'm still here. Hallelujah. This year is almost done. And the clock is about to strike sounding midnight on this hemisphere on this side of the continental divide. Several things will come to mind as you listen to the gong of the clock. There's the horror of war, the horror of war throughout the world. 
the disappearance of loaded aircraft last night. 160 some odd, 170 some odd people have disappeared. They're out looking for them, haven't found them, hadn't found them when I left the hotel this morning. I woke up to the tragedy. One mess after another. Look on television, there are the ever-frightening pictures of mangled, burned bodies on television screens that seem to remind us that the next bomb or the next tragedy is only a few feet or a few seconds away from us, no doubt. Do you ever think to yourself, where is the next war going to be fought? We've gone everywhere else and torn up everybody else's country. Now, I'm just wondering how far away is the next group of boots? Where will they trample next? America needs to be humble. God's been merciful. There, there, there is that ever-increasing paranoia about the greening that our nation and world is so occupied with. Global warming is a new phrase in our vocabulary that never really troubled us until now. I notice albuterol is impossible to find. Somebody said the container was inefficient and it didn't come up to new green standards. I don't understand. Guess I don't need it. Since they ain't got it, I don't need it. Light bulbs even tried to change and get swirly. You remember those bulbs? Slow to brighten up. You never did. Look like you never could get no light in the room when you turned it. Don't be looking for something in a hurry. You just stand there and wait till the light come up. <laughs> now we have something else to be concerned about we try to live, as we try to live our lives in peace. Oh. You, something else strange to us took place. We went to the drugstore the other day. And they asked us if we wanted a bag. I had four or five things in my hand. I told him, I said, man, yeah. He said, well, that'll be 10 cents. I said, what? I said, what if I didn't want a bag? He said, well, you take your stuff and go. I said, look like I stole something. Going down the street with my stuff in my hand. Look like, all you got to do is just tell the poet, look at him. They got it in his hand. Said, yeah, put it in a bag. Ten cents.
I don't care. Just give me my stuff. That's all. Gasoline was once, was not too long ago, almost unaffordable at the beginning of 2011, 2012. I thought I had to park my car and just ride a bike or walk and, you know. But now it's become almost too low to be true. I asked one man, what's in this gas? So what you mean? I said, y'all diluted it, didn't you? It's, the, it's too low. I'm used to $5 a gallon. Crooks have taken over the banking systems of the nation. Automobile manufacturers are being rewarded for failing in business while you and I go about trying to make ends meet with mere pennies. Layoffs are the norm. Crime and murder, they claim it's going down. I don't see it. All I see is folk falling down. Preachers are still preaching. The choir is still singing. Nobody seems to be listening. Coming to church has become an exercise and experience in entertainment. How many times did Elder Charles II say, give God praise this morning. I was counting and I lost count. Why do we have to tell people to give God praise? Seems to me it ought to, seems to, me it ought to be instinctive. Seems to me that something in you ought to turn over in your belly when you realize just how far he's brought you, where you came from. You came out of hell. And you have to be begged to give God praise. Our praise teams have become aerobics. Exercise supervisors. Everybody clap this way, clap this way. And our choirs do more swinging than singing. What's up? Look at somebody and say, what's up with that? <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Our people continue to come to our office doors. They come to our office, sit down across our desk, ask for advice about this matter and that, and they go away and do just the opposite of that which we advise. Till I'm getting to the place where I don't want to talk, I don't want to listen, because you ain't listening. Yeah, I spent all that time in school. They made me go to school. Then I spent all that time in prayer, all night shut-ins. They made me do that. I studied to give you an answer. You come and ask for one. I give you my best advice, give you the best shot I have. I tell you. 
I tell you, sweet baby, don't marry him. He don't have the same God you have. He, he got another God, Booba or somebody. And, uh, and, and he doesn't have a job. I asked him about work. He said he hadn't worked in the last 10 years because he'd been between blessings. He's been between too long. He won't take care of himself. Look at him. His shoes are not shine. Got hairs hanging out his nose. Something wrong with that man. Don't marry that man. Don't marry that man. But you go ahead on with your sanctified, holy self, tongue-talking, dancing, shouting and jumping and flopping your weave around on your head. And you marry that boy. And then you come back to cry because you've been caught up in a heck of a fix and then you want me to say something nice and I just look at you. The ship of life continues to sail across the bosom of the waters toward a tsunami unmatched by anything ever recorded in history. But we as a people dance along the deck of self-complacency as if nothing is happening while the clock is ever creeping toward the zero hour called midnight. I'm almost finished. You, you, if you sat back to get a nap, you just well wake up because I'm through. You see, one of the curses of the times is knowledge. It's a blessing, but it's a curse. Knowledge. I have an 11-year-old granddaughter who lives with me part-time, and then she's with her, her parents part-time back and forth. She, she just begged to come over to Papa's house and and, and Riri's house, that's, that's Riri over there. And, and, uh, and she come, and, and she knows everything. She was about five years old, and she got on my nerves one day, and I said, Sabrina, she named after her grandmother, Sabrina, would you hush your mouth? You don't know everything. She said, I do. I said, what do you know? She said, I know my name. I know my numbers. I know my colors. And that's everything. I said, that's it. That's it. You win. That's it. You know everything. You see what I'm talking about? But you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at how many folk really act as if they have all of the answers for life. Just a little knowledge ruins some of us. When I was about 19 years old in the United States Air Force as a young man, I was assigned to the Air Police Squadron at McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey. I, 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 I had completed the police academy, a year of academy, and had learned a little martial arts, a few self-defense techniques. 
Don't be laughing by faith. You let me tell it. <laughs> and as most young cadets, uh, I left the academy feeling invincible. I knew what to do. One night there came a call for police assistance at the base club on a Friday night. The dispatcher told us that there was screaming, women hollering and glass breaking in the background of the emergency call. I jumped up and put on my strap and holstered up my pistol. I was ready to go. My white hat on my head, I was ready. Uh, the driver of the squad car was a five foot four inch sergeant who was hesitant and uninterested in getting to the fight. <laughs> he wanted to have a smoke before he went. But I knew what to do if I could just get there. Sergeant and I eventually arrived at the scene. No siren, no lights. He wouldn't turn on the lights and the siren. I said, turn on the siren, Sarge. No, no, let's just go. Why are you so slow? I know what to do. Let's We exited the car. He specifically told me, now that I recall, Ellis, don't wrap that leather strap from the nightstick around your wrist. Don't do that. But I had been to the academy. I just came from the academy down in San Antonio. I, I, I had knowledge. I knew what to do. I, I thought to myself, uh, if I don't wrap that strap around my wrist, somebody might take my nightstick away from me in there. So I wrapped my strap and I went in. He said, wait a minute, follow me. I heard follow me as I went through the door. I went in first. <laughs> the next thing I remember a day later, <laughs> see y'all ain't right y'all. <laughs> a day later I remember, I remember waking up in the hospital with the little sergeant looking down on me. And he asked me, did you wrap that D stick? Now you know what the D was. I don't have to say it, do I? Uh, uh, around your wrist. You see, as it happened, somebody in the club, I didn't see who it was. They met me at the door. They didn't grab me, they grabbed my stick. And they dragged me across every bar in the joint. Used my head for battering ram. All because I knew what to do. 
in our text today, Paul is a small fella traveling on a prisoner's transport toward Rome. He's in the company of many prisoners, but his behavior caused them to find favor with the masters of the ship so that it didn't keep him in stock and chains like everybody else. He pretty much had the run of the boat. He developed relationships. He had relationship with those in authority and offered comfort to his fellow prisoners, sort of like a prison chaplain on board. <laughs> now, during one of the port of calls, Paul had a dream. He shared it with the ship's navigator. He told him that the Lord didn't want them to pull into a certain place because there was about to be a tornado just outside of the area. Paul even went to the captain. But the scriptures say in verse 11, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Paul told him to stay in Crete for the rest of the winter before taking off for Rome because there was a storm coming, but they listened to the folk who knew what to do. To make a bad matter worse in verse 12, it tells us that the majority of the people were in sympathy with the professionals. Sometimes you can't listen to the majority. We keep talking about the majority rule. Not always. The majority is not always right. Let me tell you something else. It doesn't matter at all what the majority says about a thing. If God says anything about anything, that's it. We used to say, if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. No, no, no. If God said it, that settles it whether you believe it or not. Mm. I understand y'all have a legislative uh, switch around out here on the same-sex marriage rule. I'm also aware it could be the open door for declaring what God says about that lifestyle as hate speech. I'll probably be in jail in Ohio. I won't be crude, but I I have to stand with God. It's not a time to be, be bashing anybody by anybody. But it's the right time to simply state God's command to all flesh and then repudiate any attempts of government to redefine God's institution of marriage through some backdoor lawmaking. Marriage didn't start with government, it started with God. How dare you gerrymander it, change its meaning, and then charge a tax for a license. If you're going to do anything at all, at least respect the organizer, the founder of the thing. And if my council people don't see it my way, I don't need to badmouth them. I just make certain that I replace them at the ballot box. I never thought I'd see the day when, when right would become wrong and wrong would be celebrated at right, but it's 
But it's here. It's, it's, it, 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 it's here. It's almost midnight. Well, well, well let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me hurry up and close. Well, well, the people in authority didn't listen to the preacher. And, and, the, and the boatload of them ended up in a terrible storm. The boat was battered during the darkest time of the trip. And the darkest time of the trip was midnight. Midnight. They, they, they tried to save the boat. They threw stuff overboard in an attempt to lighten the load, but it was just about midnight for the sailors and the prisoners. Hey, 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 y'all. Hey, West Angeles. There, there, there may be stuff in your lives, in your families, and in your home, in your jobs, your professions. There may be stuff you wish you'd even done differently. There may be stuff that you wish you hadn't done at all. Most of us in here have been caught in storms on our, of our own making, and some of us are in storms that we had nothing to do with. We were just in the neighborhood. And even if that storm causes your ship to fall apart after being dashed on the rocks and the reefs, I have good news for you. There's an angel that stood by me last night, told me to tell you that the uh, same thing he told Paul. If you abide in the ship, not a soul will be lost. I heard the hymn writer telling us, be not dismayed what air be tied God will take care of you beneath his wings of love abide God will take care of you you and I belong to God now let me tell you something God's not dead he knows we're out here he, he's looking at your boat he's guiding the storm He's the one who talked to the storm, told the winds how to handle you. And you sitting out here jittery and hollering. I got jittery this morning coming to church. I turned the wrong way on Crenshaw. And I mean was gone. I was gone way. I don't, I think I was on my way to Nevada. I had gone so far. Hallelujah to God. And I turned around and ran up on on Ben's mom and daddy, and I said, do you know where Bishop Blake's church is, West Andrews? Say, yes, uh, I'm, I'm Brother Ben Stevens' father and mother. And said, we going to it now. Say, follow us. And uh, of course, Ben was ahead. Said, there's Ben. I got behind Ben, and Ben drive like an undertaker. So mom and daddy, <laughs> mom and daddy, Shot around Ben. I got right behind mom and daddy. <laughs> God, God knows we're out here. He knew my wife said, my God, look at you driving like this out here in California. I said, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do when they come for you? <laughs> Kept right on going. God gave the storm instructions on how to handle you. Look at somebody and tell somebody, God gave my storm instructions on how to handle me.
Listen to God talking to the storm and telling the winds how to do what they had to do. Use precision in cutting the hole loose from the deck and from the mast. Slice the pieces of wood wide enough so that my people can hold on. Make some surfboards. I'm going to allow you to tear the boat up because of the disobedience of the boat's owners. But I want to use their junk and use their loss to save my peculiar treasure. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, y'all look around you. The only people absolutely affected by the, the meltdowns are those who care nothing for God or the poor. The only people jumping out of windows and taking sleeping pills are those who held the wealth of the world in their hands. But you and I have a divine promise. I'm living on a promise. I'm living on a promise. Look at somebody and say, I'm living on a promise. He promised never to leave you. Never to leave you alone. The last two verses of that 27th chapter drives me to jump every time I read it. It said, but the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose. And I asked myself, what purpose? You see, the soldiers on board were going to kill all the prisoners so that their mission would not be a total failure according to Roman military law. But to keep them from their purpose, he commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get on land. The rest, look at that, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. I'm finished for this service. I'm finished. But I came by here to tell you that you're not going under, you're going over. I know it's almost midnight. I know it's almost midnight in some of your lives. I know it feels dark even in some of your ministries. But I found out that God does some of his best work in the dark. At midnight, a cry was made. At midnight, two angels flew over the Syrian king's army, killed 185,000 soldiers just to protect God's own. At midnight, somebody ought to holler at midnight. Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises until there was a jailhouse rock. David said in Psalm 119 and 62, at midnight, I will arise and give thanks unto thee. Beloveds, I wouldn't worry about the economy if I were you. I wouldn't worry about the greening. I wouldn't get upset about the gasoline and the pipeline. I wouldn't worry too much about the housing loans and the automobile manufacturers. You better do what David recommended. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Get ready in about three days to say happy new year. I 
believe God. It's almost midnight, but God is still in control. Why don't somebody say, yes, he is. 